Hello and welcome to the Fit to Transform podcast, where you learn how to train and diet effectively and, most importantly, how to maintain those results for life, once and for all. I'm Nikias Tomasiello, a transgender training and nutrition coach working online with anyone who's ready for a true lifestyle transformation anywhere they may be in the world. As a friendly reminder, any and all information provided is for educational purposes only. You should consult with your doctor before implementing any changes to your diet and exercise program. With that disclaimer out of the way, thank you for being here. Now grab yourself a cup of tea or pre-workouts and enjoy. Yo, welcome back to the podcast. Today, I want to talk about how to plan a successful fat loss phase. First of all, why would we plan a fat loss phase? After all, there are plenty of people who just start a diet and they keep going until they either hit their goal or in the majority of cases, unfortunately, they just stop dieting and go back to what they were doing before. Now, I think that having a plan is important to avoid that latter scenario where you just give up on the diet, you get tired of it, you're not seeing results or whatever other reason, and you revert back to what you were doing previously. So essentially, you're either, quote unquote, on a diet or you're eating however you want and you're exercising maybe once or twice whenever you can. However, the plan, in my opinion, needs to be specific enough so that you don't feel like you're just going to diet forever until you hit your target, which again is the approach that the majority of people seem to take, and that you don't feel directionless. But every single day, every single week, every single month, you know why you're doing what you're doing, where it's leading you to, why it's important, and that in and of itself helps you stay motivated. At the same time, the plan needs to be flexible enough that you can stay focused on the most important success factor, which is consistency. So let's dive into how to create this specific but flexible plan. And let's start with setting your targets. I want to make a clear distinction between a guideline or a compass, as I like to call it, and a goal. The majority of people approaching a fat loss diet think of their goal as the weight that they want to get down to. And I want to make it very clear that I think that using your weight can be helpful if you use it as a compass or a guideline. Outside of some very specific circumstances, which I'm going to mention in a minute, I don't necessarily think that setting a specific body weight as a goal is helpful. For one, if you've never been at that particular body weight before, you can't know for sure that that's your actual goal. Because in most cases, when people go on what I call a lifestyle diet, what they want to achieve is an improvement in the way that they feel and sometimes look in their everyday life. And that feeling or that appearance doesn't necessarily correspond to the number on the scale that they have in mind. Again, if you've never been at a a certain body weight before, how do you know that that's where you feel your best and that's where you look and uh, think of yourself as a confident person? So I think that setting 
your weight as a goal in that situation is a little bit pointless for these reasons. Moreover, it tends to foster sometimes a not so healthy relationship with the scale where if you're not seeing the weight drop, but you're seeing progress literally everywhere else, you're still thinking that you're not doing well. For example, you might be losing inches and you might be fitting into your clothes differently. Or even if that doesn't happen, you're getting stronger in the gym or you look visibly different in pictures. Well, the scale isn't shifting, so clearly something is wrong. So the way I see it, the only circumstances under which aiming for a specific weight as your goal for the fat loss phase is beneficial is then is when that weight is associated with your actual goal. For example, let's say that your goal is health related and you know for a fact that hitting a specific weight is going to mean that your BMI corresponds to a BMI that's healthy for your height and for some reason that is your goal or you know that a specific weight will correspond to a waist circumference measurement that reduces your risk of disease and other issues that arise with an excessively large waist circumference measurements or if you know that a specific weight will mean that your blood markers will improve. For example, your cholesterol will be lower at a specific body weight. Another scenario uh, in which aiming for a specific weight goal makes sense is when usually you've been at that body weight before, so you know what you look like, and your goal is to get leaner for a photo shoot or a bodybuilding competition, or simply as part of your physique development process which includes muscle building phases where you perhaps gain weight in order to gain muscle and uh, fat loss phases in which you lose the the extra body fat that you would have accumulated during the muscle building phase. So in these cases, it would make sense to have a body weight goal. For example, in my latest photo shoot where I was really happy with my physique, I was about 97 to 98 pounds on average. For reference, I'm five foot nothing. Anyway, I was really lean and I was content with my muscularity. So now I know for the future, if I want to do another photo shoot and get in a similar condition, I need to aim for 97 to 98 pounds. My hope, fingers crossed, is that with future muscle building phases I intend to go on, I will put on more muscle so maybe I can be at a similar level of leanness and be a little bit heavier, but I am still going to shoot for that 97 to 98 pound mark. With that said, even if you haven't been at that body weight before, as I said, it's still potentially useful to use that weight as a rough guideline for the total amount of weight that you would want to lose. And that in turn can be helpful to get an idea of the total duration of the time that you will spend pursuing a fat loss goal. And I am being very careful with my choice of words because you might not spend the entire time where your goal is fat loss in a caloric deficit, even though a caloric deficit is what's necessary in order to lose fat. And as I go through how I plan fat loss phases for my clients, the meaning of this will become more apparent. So I have found 
that when somebody has a fat loss school, it doesn't just take a 10 to 12 week diet to get them to their ultimate goal. Sometimes it does. If the person is very experienced with dieting and with training and with tracking their food and adhering to the diet protocol, that is possible. And if they also start from a position where they've been training for a while, they've developed a certain level of muscle mass, they maintain a relatively lean physique most of the time. In that case, yes, maybe 10, 12 weeks, sometimes even less time spent in a fat loss phase will get them to the result that they want. However, the vast majority of my clients come to me with overweight or sometimes obesity. And in their case, they will need a longer time in a fat loss phase in order to achieve their ultimate goal. Or sometimes they don't have a lot of excess body fat that they want to lose, but they've never dieted seriously before. So it takes longer for them to accomplish their goal because they simply need to improve their skill as a dieter. So for all these reasons, when I'm planning a fat loss phase, I divide it into segments. And the duration of these segments depends on two factors. The main factor is going to be consistency, and the secondary factor is going to be my current understanding of the available research on successful fat loss and successful fat loss maintenance. So first and foremost, a fat loss segment is as long as it can be with the client still making progress and still being consistent with the dietary protocol. Because in the vast majority of cases, in my experience, when somebody starts seeing plateau after plateau, maybe they bust the first one, maybe they bust the second one, but these plateaus keep occurring on a relatively frequent basis, This isn't because all of a sudden their metabolic rate is dropping so fast that every two weeks they need to lower their calories in order to keep fat loss going. This could happen to some people, but it's not necessarily what happens to everyone and not even on average as far as I've experienced in my years of coaching. The reason why this keeps happening is that they are simply so fatigued mentally from the amount of time they needed to spend paying attention to what they were eating and being less flexible than usual with their approach to nutrition in order to create a caloric deficit, that even with the best intentions, they start slipping up. Either they realize that they're slipping up, maybe they're overeating by quite a bit in a day and they notice, or maybe they forget to track here and there. Maybe before... They were really careful about weighing their peanut butter and now they're starting to kind of eyeball it because they've been weighing the same tablespoon for months, but now they're having maybe five to 10 extra grams, but then peanut butter has 600 calories per 100 grams. So five to 10 extra grams is actually 30 to 60 calories. And they do this with several other little bits and pieces of food and sometimes drinks during the day and this all adds up. So they think they're eating in a caloric deficit but they're not and when they see that a plateau is occurring it's not because 
again, their metabolic rate is dropping, but simply because they're reporting a certain amount of calories, but they're actually eating a, lot, a little bit or a fair bit more, which slows down their rate of loss or makes them plateau. So when I see that this is starting to happen, I would normally ask questions like, how often do you think about food on average during the day and during the week? How hungry are you on average? How fatiguing do you feel that the diet is at the moment? How much is it impacting your training, your stress levels, your sleep, your overall lifestyle? And based on the answers to these questions, I will get an idea of whether the client is at breaking point, so to speak, and they need an extended time away from a caloric deficit or whether they can keep going. The second factor, as I was saying, is the available evidence on successful fat loss and successful fat loss maintenance. So research at the moment seems to show that most research research subjects can successfully lose about 5 to 10% of their weight in any fat loss diet, which I call a segment. So they'll diet for a certain period of time, however long the study might be, and it seems like they can successfully lose up to 10% of their body weight. When they start losing much more than that, they add, they either can't keep up with the diet or they tend to regain the weight and therefore fail at the most important component of the diet, which is fat loss maintenance. So I use this research as a rough guideline. So when a client in a fat loss segment starts approaching about a 10% body weight loss, that's when I'll make them aware of this research and I will be much more careful and I, in assessing their consistency. So that's when I start asking these questions on how they're finding the diet more and more often, because I know that the more weight you lose and the leaner you get and the longer you diet for, the physiologically and psychologically harder the diet becomes. So the main takeaway here is that if you have a lot of weight to lose in excess of 10% of your body weight, then you need to accept that it's going to take multiple fat loss segments and therefore several months to several years of pursuing fat loss in order to achieve your ultimate goal. So just to do a quick recap to make sure that everybody's on the same is on the same page with me. A fat loss phase for me is the entirety of the time that we spend pursuing the goal of fat loss. Now within that long-term fat loss phase, you're going to have a number of segments and the length of each segment is going to be predicated on how long you can be consistent and how much body weight you're losing as a percentage of your original body weight. Now within a fat loss segment you're not necessarily going to spend every single day, every single week until you've lost 10% of your body weight or until you can't be consistent anymore in a caloric deficit. For some people, that can work, but I've actually found that taking some time away from a caloric deficit can be really helpful to give you a little psychological boost to be able to be consistent with the diet for longer. So 
prolong the time that you can spend in a deficit within a segment and thus, in most cases, be able to lose more body fat. And this time spent away from a caloric deficit can be three days long, up to a week, or sometimes even two weeks at a time. And in most fitness circles, you'll find that these time periods are called diet breaks. Now, it's very important to make a distinction between a diet break and any time when most people don't follow a diet. So a diet break doesn't mean that you stop tracking your food, stop training consistently, you let go of all of the healthy habits that you've built up until now. During a diet break, my clients tend to do exactly what they're doing in any other phase of their fitness journey and coaching experience with me, but their caloric target changes. It's no longer a caloric deficit. It's now their estimated maintenance calorie range. So the goal isn't to lose body fat in the short term within those three to 14 days that I've mentioned. It's to practice eating more calories, but not so many calories that they'll be in a caloric surplus and they'll be regaining weight, just enough to roughly maintain their body weight. As I said, I find this very useful to give clients who are starting to get fatigued from dieting a little psychological boost that helps them continue to diet for a few weeks after that. But it's also very helpful because the majority of people who approach dieting without a structure are either, as I said at the beginning, quote unquote, on a diet, or they're not really worrying about their food and their exercise in a very structured way at all. So they're either aiming for fat loss or they're feeling guilty because they're not aiming for fat loss. Very few people ever actually aim to start a fitness journey with a goal of changing their physique or their body size for whatever reason, with the goal of, hey, let's see if I can maintain my weight and build consistency with tracking my food and tracking and working out, which if you listen to the uh, No Quit Kit episode series, you'll know that that's exactly what I start clients with. Anyway, since nobody is doing this, once they achieve their fat loss goal, they don't actually know how to maintain because they've never done it before. And this is another skill that you need to master. So what best time to practice this skill than during a diet break, which is exactly why I structure the diet break in the way that I've just described. So to bring this all together, this is my approach to structuring a segment within a fat loss phase. First of all, I ask a client to think realistically based on the upcoming life events they have on their calendar and or their previous experience dieting. How long do they think they can be consistent with a caloric deficit? Now, if they have no major events, And at times when you have major events, a diet break is usually really helpful. And if they don't know 
how long they can be consistent for because they've never done it before, I would normally set mini milestones of four weeks. And every four weeks, I will ask them, how are you finding a diet? And in general, I found that people can be consistent for about four to eight weeks before they need a diet break. Now, once you hit the point where consistency is waning or is at risk of waning, then I would suggest that you take this three or up to 14 day long diet break as a little recharge phase. And then you can carry on with another four to eight weeks of dieting. Then you rinse and repeat this process, essentially, until you either can't be consistent with your diet any longer, regardless of how long you take as a maintenance break, and you're starting to have to take more and more frequent maintenance breaks, or you've lost 10% of your body weight and you're finding that you're struggling to, to stay on top of your diet. At this point, you would call the diet segment over. And I would normally suggest that a client takes half the time up to the same amount of time that they spent in a caloric deficit most of the time to recharge their mental and physical batteries. So for example, if your diet segment was overall six months long, and let's say that you took three diet breaks within that time. So every, so six months is 26 weeks, and you took a one week diet break three times, that's 23 weeks of dieting. So in that case, you would aim to take at least 12 to 13 weeks, which would be half the week spent in a caloric deficit, up to 24 weeks, again, spent in a maintenance or recharge phase, where the goal is not to pursue further fat loss, but it is to practice eating at maintenance for longer than just three to 14 days. It's going to be to improve your performance in the gym, get stronger, build more muscle, also build, rebuild your res- your mental resilience to take on another fat loss phase in the future, if that is your goal. If, on the other hand, when you get to this point, you've lost all of the body fat that you wanted to lose, then happy days. You can either choose to stay in this maintenance phase for the rest of your life, or if you have serious physique development goals, then you might decide that going into a muscle building phase in a caloric surplus with the aim of gaining weight to put on more muscle mass is your next goal. So to take a bird's eye view of this entire process, then you would have a diet segment, which is going to comprise weeks in a caloric deficit most of the time with three to 14 days long diet breaks inserted at strategic points in time to boost your future progress within the diet segment. When you complete a diet segment, you're going to spend a longer period of time at maintenance for the reasons I've just mentioned. And then you're going to have another diet segment and you're going to, again, rinse and repeat this process of alternating stretches that you spend primarily in a caloric deficit with recharge phases at maintenance calories 
until you have achieved the fat loss goal that you had in mind. To finish off, I'm going to talk about the pace at which you'll aim to lose body fat. And I'm sure it's clear by now that I don't like arbitrary numbers because I strongly believe that in order to get the best results, arbitrary one-size-fits-all numbers aren't going to work. You need to tailor everything about your physique development process to your own individual physiology. When I'm considering an appropriate rate of fat loss for someone, I'm thinking of how to achieve the following goals. First of all, how do we avoid dieting on stupidly low calories that quickly become unsustainable? How do we avoid losing muscle mass? And actually, how do we maintain or build as much muscle as possible in our fat loss phase? And how do we stay committed to the goal and therefore consistent? So the general recommendation based on the available research in order to maintain muscle mass and to keep the diet sustainable is to lose 0.5 to about 1.5% of your body weight per week. So for somebody who's 200 pounds, 0.5% of their body weight would be a pound, up to 1.5%, which I actually need to calculate because I'm not that quick or good at math. So that would be up to three pounds. So if this person were to be losing one to three pounds per week, they wouldn't be be at a major risk for muscle loss and they also wouldn't be dieting on such stupidly low calories that they wouldn't be able to sustain it. However, that is a pretty large range. And the difference between these percentages is how many calories you're going to eat. Because if you're trying to lose 0.5% of your body weight, your caloric deficit can be smaller. If you want to lose 1.5%, your caloric deficit needs to be larger. And I could spend half an hour on this podcast trying to talk math, but I'm not very good at math. Most of you listeners might not be interested in it. I actually wrote an entire blog article on how to calculate your caloric deficit based on a percentage of your body weight. And the article is titled how to design your own diet. And I'm simply going to link it in the show notes. So if you want to learn how to calculate your calories based on a percentage of body weight, click on that link. But I will not spend time on the math here because it's just going to be confusing. All you need to know is that 0.5% is smaller than 1.5%. It's a slower rate of loss. So you can eat closer to your maintenance calories. And again, since this is quite a large relatively speaking, a large percentage range, it also results in a large difference between calorie amounts. So 0.5% is a slower rate of loss, which means that the amount of calories you can eat is higher, which makes your diet inherently more flexible. So aiming for 0.5% can be a better approach if you struggle with consistency and or if you're new to a structured dieting process, like the one I'm describing. In addition, when you are already pretty lean, the leaner you are, the slower it's better to lose weight because when you're lean, you're at a higher risk for muscle loss simply because you have less body fat stored that you can lose. 
For example, when I was getting very close to 97 to 98 pounds, I wasn't losing 1% of body weight per week. I was losing 0.5% of body weight per week to avoid losing any muscle mass, which wouldn't have looked very good for my photo shoot. On the other hand, losing about 1.5% of your body weight per week is faster, which means you can eat fewer calories, which makes your diet less flexible because again, the calories are lower. It can be better for some people to take this approach if there's somebody who loses motivation, if they don't see quick, pro- quick enough progress. So for example, if they see that they're losing that two to three pounds per week, so one to 1.5% of their body weight per week, they stay super consistent because the number simply drives them forward. Whereas if even if they're very consistently losing less than that, they simply lose interest in the diet. If you're somebody with that kind of mindset, then I can see a benefit in trying to diet at a faster pace. This is also an approach that you can take if you're a more experienced dieter. You know how hard it can be to be in a caloric deficit for a long period of time. So if you're aware of your own limits, then and you know that you are going to be consistent, losing weight at a faster pace, by all means, knock yourself out. This faster approach is also a suitable option when you carry more body fat, because again, if you have more body fat stored, you can lose more without being at a major risk for muscle loss. With that said, it's also not an either or choice. It's not like you have to commit to, okay, I've got to lose 0.5% of my body weight per week, every single week for the rest of this fat loss phase, or, oh, I've got to lose 1.5%. You could also mix and match the two. For example, you could say, I'm not going to be motivated straight out of the gates if I don't see quick fat loss, but I also know that I can't lose 1.5% of my weight every week for longer than four weeks because the calories are way too low to be sustainable. So in that case, you could have a four-week initial fat loss stint where you're trying to lose that 1.5, that 1.5% of your body weight per week. And after that, you're going to slow down the pace of fat loss, you're going to increase your calories and aim to lose a little less than that. Maybe you aim for 0.5 to 1% per week. This is a very effective approach that takes into account your mindset and your skills as a dieter, as well as your body fat level, because losing weight at a faster pace makes more sense at the beginning of a fat loss phase, where when regardless of your starting level of body fat, most people have more body fat, whereas towards the end of a fat loss phase, it makes more sense to slow down the pace because regardless of where you started, you actually have less body fats, ideally, if the if the fat loss phase has been successful so far. And it's an approach that it's easy to take if you do what I started this podcast saying, which is you use a specific body weight not as your ultimate goal, but as a compass or a guidelines guideline. Whereas if you were thinking of hitting a specific body weight within a very specific timeline, you would have 
to tie yourself to a specific rate of fat loss because otherwise you wouldn't be able to hit that body weight goal within a specific timeline. In my opinion, taking that approach really doesn't serve you if you're going for what I called at the beginning a lifestyle fat loss phase, meaning that you're trying to lose body fat to improve your physique, your health, and your lifestyle. This type of approach that's tied to deadlines and specific weight goals really only makes sense if you have a specific date you need to be ready for a photo shoot or a competition. If you're not pursuing fat loss for that reason, there is no fastest dieter award. So I don't see the point in driving yourself insane trying to hit a specific weight target within a very specific timeline. So that's a wrap for today's podcast. Hopefully you found my approach to structuring a fat loss phase to be helpful. If you want to read more about it, I actually just posted, or at least very recently posted, a new blog article titled A Comprehensive Guide to Your First Cut. And when I say cuts, I use the terms cut and fat loss phases interchangeably most of the time. So if you're very new to dieting, I suggest that you read it. If you're already familiar with dieting, I believe you you still can take something from it. I tend to base all of the information I give on a combination of evidence-based guidelines and my own experience as a coach. So I believe that you can take value from that article wherever you are in your fitness or physique development process or journey. I also have another article that I posted longer ago titled, Should You Cut or Bulk First? Where I answer this uh, age-old question, what do you need to start with, a cut or a bulk? Or what should you do right now? Should you cut or should you bulk? And I believe that both of them are going to be really helpful companion pieces to this particular podcast episode. And you'll find a link to both in the show notes, along with all the links to my application form for one-on-one coaching, my group coaching page where you can register your interest for future intakes of my six-week fat loss group coaching program, you find a link to sign up for my free newsletter and for my free email series on fat loss success, which is titled the No Quit Kit series. So if you're interested in any of these, hit the links in the description below. And until next time. Lastly, if you want to support the podcast, and help me reach more people, please leave a five-star rating or review on any podcast platform that you're using. Thank you very much for listening, and I'll speak to you soon.